0: If you break it down statistically, the number one thing that millennials are looking for in leadership is inspirational leadership. Number two is transparency and number three is autonomy. The unfortunate side of the inspirational leadership is if you ask any leader, "Hey Bob, do you consider yourself an inspirational leader?" Bob by himself will respond back and say, "Uh, hell yeah. I mean, anytime on these Zoom calls that I'm doing in this COVID, everyone's laughing at my joke, you know, they're they get I could just tell you yeah, I'm absolutely inspirational it's like thanks Bob and you ask two people on Bob's team and you're like, hey, guys, uh, the number one thing that millennials and Gen Zers are looking for is inspirational leadership is Bob inspirational. Their first question is, is Bob going to find out if I tell you the truth? No, he's not gonna find out. They're like, hell no, he's not. He is not inspirational whatsoever.
1: This is the Ingles of Latitude Podcast, session number 174, with the Millennial Whisperer, Chris Tuff. This is Squadron Leader confirming hostiles inbound, prepare for battle.
0: What you're about to hear is the integration
1: of life. Clarity is power. If you live each day as if it was your last, someday you'll most certainly be right. Liberty.
0: We choose to go to the moon. It's happening. And all things geek. Yeah, I'm not sure I know how to answer that. Uh,
1: you got a badass over here.
0: Welcome to the Angles of Latitude
2: podcast. Hey
1: everyone, welcome back to the show. This is JC Preston alongside Veronica Karen, host of the Stories of COVID podcast. If this is the first time you're listening in, this is the show where we bring you life lessons or a message from successful entrepreneurs, experts, athletes, and artists so that you too can find and execute your own personal mission and live a lifestyle that's you're proud of. So depending on which state you live in here in the US, there's a good chance your local government has started to take the steps to get people back into a normal working environment this, this week. And uh, many states have like, five phases that their citizens will have to go through to get everything back to quote-unquote normal. But uh, there's a certain catch there. And, uh, you know, there's a really good chance we're, we're not going to be seeing a new normal anytime soon. In fact, you know, many say, including today's guests, that we're moving into a period where a normal change will will be the standard, actually. And for example, just like after 9-11, you know, we're, we were going to be, we, we saw a lot of of changes in in all kinds of processes. Back then it was a focus in in building up security. And this time around, I think we're going to be seeing more employers interested in keeping their employees healthy. Uh, Another thing which we'll be discussing in depth in this conversation with Chris is what the workplace will look like as the last of baby boomers retire and are replaced by millennials. And with all the new tech that's regularly coming out, you know, paradigms are going to be shifting I think, a lot more regularly. So as we begin this conversation with Chris today, other topics that we discuss include how he got into his unique niche in marketing, how he sees tech changing millennials' lives in their workplace, and what he believes is a great method to get your foot in the door when you're wanting to get future clients. But first, I wanna tell you guys a little bit more about my resource that I made specifically for people in transition. Uncover your personal mission. And through this chat with Chris, we'll be talking about how he believes that people are most happy with their passion, meets their purpose, and their profession. And I couldn't agree more. In fact, the only difference that I see between what he says and what I say is that I call the profession P the process. So in my free resource, Uncover Your Personal Mission, I walk you through the process of defining your own three Ps. Once you have your own bearings, you know, it's going to be that much easier. For you to plan your own mission to accomplish what only you can achieve in this world. And in fact, if you don't do this inventory of yourself, any advice will sound like a good idea, to be honest, now, even if it puts you somewhere you have no interest in being when you actually get there. So if you want to help finding your own three Ps, you can grab this guide for free at newinceptions.com/personalmissionguide. Again, that's newinceptions.com slash personal mission guide personal mission guide all right remember to subscribe to the show on whichever platform you're listening in on uh as you guys know my favorite player is Castbox for android and ios as well uh feel free to leave a review on that app too because comments and reviews really do affect the chance that other people find the show and also if you leave a review on apple podcast i'll be sure to read it in an upcoming session if you guys have any questions about scaling your mission-based business, you can email us at newinceptions.com. Again, that's newinceptions.com. We'd love to hear from you. Show notes and show note extras of the show can be found at newinceptions.com slash 174. And as always, I'll be on at the end of the show to fill you in on anything we might have missed. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the show. This is JC Preston alongside Veronica Kieran. Thanks for being here with us today. Veronica, how you doing?
2: Hey, I'm good. How you do?
1: Good, good, <laughs> good. It's uh, another day in this uh, COVID-19 infested uh, time. But mm-hmm. today's actually going to be a pretty interesting show. And I think the audience is going to really find uh, pretty fascinating. You know, everyone is is really going through this pandemic. And, you know, some see it as a crisis that's going to trigger the, the potentially the next Great Depression. Well, you know, there are others that are seeing it as a period to understand what's fluff in their lives and or businesses and and restructure things in a way that will give them better results in the future. And while to some that might mean being more efficient and productive on the same business model, others are gearing up for a new economy altogether. Uh, They've actually realized that for their company to make it, they're going to have to pivot and learn how to mitigate this new uh, world we find ourselves in.
2: Yeah. And one of those things that companies should be prepping for is uh, the next big generation of workers, millennials, because uh, we're the largest generation and we're taking over culture of business as baby boomers are retiring. And now with COVID-19, it's putting additional strain on businesses and companies because not only are they shifting cultures between generations, but now they're also shifting to support their staff working from home, sometimes for the first time ever. And so we're getting curious over here if the pandemic will push more baby boomers towards retirement and thus shift kind of in a dual way towards more millennials in the workforce as well as uh, working from home. And so... With that, we've invited someone on the show that can speak to these massive transitions uh, from the work that he's been doing for uh, many years, as well as with what's happening right now. Uh, He was the first marketer to work directly with Facebook in 2005, um, and he's one of the foremost thought leaders in the digital space. He is Chris Tuff, and he can be found at themillennialwhisperer.com. Hi, Chris. Welcome to the show.
0: Hi. And actually the best way to get in touch with me, the most responsive place for me is uh, on Instagram and I'm at tough T U F F two, two. And uh, anyone that reaches out or has questions, follow-ups or wants a free book, just hit me up and I will do my best to get that to you. Uh, usually within like minutes, uh, which, <laughs> which, which, which is a little bit frustrating to some people around me, but um, yeah, no, thank you guys so much for having me on. I'm I'm super fired up to not be talking to my wife or children right now, I'm to be talking to other humans. I love it.
2: Other humans still exist.
0: Totally. Well, I mean, and, you know, one of the one of my big things is, and we'll talk about it. But you know, my big pivot as a leader was really going from being the tip of the arrow of my ad agency 22 square with 390 employees. Um, I'm a partner there. And I went from being kind of like the Don Draper to uh, really kind of going through some life changes and and reorienting myself around empathy and connection, and for someone that thrives on my fuel is empathy and connection, and to be right. stuck at home, um, it's it's really and I'm one of the biggest extrovert. I'm like way off the scale you're in terms an extrovert?
2: of extrovert. Uh, Are you uh, sure? Uh, yeah,
0: I, know, I don't. I know. <laughs> surprised about it. So uh... I, I really appreciate you guys giving me a reprieve and and listen like. With everything that's going on out there, like, I'm not going to say that, you know, when I first approached this, I was like, oh my gosh, this is going to, I'm going to create some side hustles. I'm going to deepen my relationships with the, you know, some of the people that I'm courting. You know, one of the best things I've ever heard was crisis catalyzes change and it also forges bonds. Right. And Mm -hmm. So I was like, yeah, I'm going to do that. And then I'm going to write my next book and like all this great stuff. And like after three weeks, I was like, oh, my gosh, like <laughs> uh, this is this is really tough. Like uh, this is this is much tougher than than I anticipated. But I do believe that, you know, there's a lot of good things that will come out of this. And, um, you know, companies are being forced to to learn and adapt. And uh, sometimes it does take these things to. You know the number three thing. We when we'll talk more about it, but work flexibility. It's the it's it, when I go into companies like Nike and some of these other ones that I've done some um, consulting with. It's like the 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 quickest thing that you guys can put into place right now that will have a significant impact on the millennials and Gen Zers is flexible workplace. You know, uh, having a flexible workplace. to Allow your people, if possible. You know, obviously dentist office, and there there are some exceptions to that. But do everything you can to allow people to work from where they want to work. And, um, you know, now here we are uh, a little bit later <laughs> and, and now everyone's being forced into it. So right. um, thank you guys so much for, for letting me connect.
1: For sure. For sure. So, Chris, you're actually a year older than I am. I, uh, I graduated high school in 2000. And so that technically makes you a fellow Xenial. Yeah. Uh, so let's let's talk about that for a minute. You know, I think it, it was always put me in a unique space because, you know, really for us, we were part of the old way of doing things as we were growing up, but part of the the new ways of doing things yeah. when we got into the the working world. Right. Yeah. And it, it's amusing. But as I was growing up through, say, I would say my mid 20s, it always seemed like the the year of students behind me were always getting the the perks. They got the new tech. They got the the remodeled rooms in the schools. They got the remodeled. Um, dorm rooms at college and you know here's here's the kicker they were the class that started to get you know those participation trophies which I think they even poked fun at in a movie uh, back in 2016 called get a job yeah <laughs> yeah so for one what's your what's your thoughts on uh, being a zennial and what do you remember from uh, being a kid in the 90s that kids you know today can't relate to
0: so it's actually what positioned me well to be the author of this book. And listen, I'm not saying that I'm the self-proclaimed millennial whisperer and you know where the the book came from. I'm I'm friends with a handful of very successful entrepreneurs and I was on an executive retreat and after kind of my own pivot 7 months into this experiment of really leading with empathy and connection and being more of that servant leader I introduced myself around a campfire on this executive retreat. And I was like, I don't really know what I do anymore, but I'm kind of like the millennial whisperer. And these guys are like, wait, (laughs) what they're like, aren't you a millennial Chris? I'm like, actually I'm a, I'm an, you know, I'm actually an Xer, but I'm one year off war from millennials. And they're like, all right, whatever. So Mm -hmm. tell us some of the things you do. And I started explaining some of the tactics I use. Or they were like, I cannot believe you do that stuff. And it was three Mm -hmm. weeks later that four of the 14 called me and they're like, Chris, I don't know what you're doing, but this stuff works. I just started implementing some of these tactics and it works. And, you know, I think you bring up some good points, right? Where it's, it actually puts us in a good position to be a little bit of that liaison between the transitional pieces of Xers and millennials. And one of the things that we hear time and time again, and now we're hearing it with the Gen Zers is that, uh, you know, they're irresponsible. It's, I use all of those negatives on mm. the cover of my book. They're, you know, entitled the, they're, I'm looking at my book now, self-absorbed <laughs> blah, blah, blah. Right. And, uh, it's, we've got to stop using millennials and now Gen Zers as synonyms for young and inexperienced, because the truth is, is that they're young and inexperienced. And instead we've got to embrace them for what they're great at. And so, you know, I want to help I've been acting as a little bit of that catalyst of, okay, where can we meet in the middle on this stuff? And what are some of the things that millennials and Gen Zers can do different as well as uh, some of the Xers and boomers in these organizations. So, Mm -hmm. you know, there's, there's a lot of key pieces within that. Um, But, you know, my favorite quote coming out of it is millennials aren't the problem. They just expose all the problems. Yeah. You know, (laughs) like you look at all the things that they are looking for. It's a lot of it's like, yeah, uh, that makes total sense. And if you look into it, and one of the reasons why us being kind of on that cusp is so difficult for many to understand is that we are there are two main things of what make millennials different. And uh, actually within millennials, there are older millennials and younger millennials. Because yes. if you look, at, right, <laughs> you look at older millennials, that the two key things is when they adopted technology and social media in their lives, Older millennials had beepers in college. I don't know about you. I had a beeper in college,
1: right like, <laughs> no, I wasn't quite there, but
0: okay so <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, but we barely had cell phones you right, know? Right. social media didn't hit until what your senior year in college, if that, like Facebook um, yeah, yeah. and so. You know, that's one of the big things. And the younger millennials were given a brand new iPhone with a Snapchat account on it. And so that <laughs> yeah. creates very different generations as well as, um, you know, societal uh, shifts in how people function. And then the other piece is when 2008, the recession of
1: 2008,
0: yeah. 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 Hit, them or their parents, older millennials were actually in the job market and fighting for themselves. And younger millennials saw their parents lose their jobs and then inherited all of this debt. And now we're at a very transformative time with COVID where we now have another event that is forcing uh, some of these massive shifts of what will define these new generations. And, yeah. you know, we can either embrace some of those things or we can just talk about how horrible it all is. I, I, I choose, (laughs) I always choose light. So silver linings. Yeah. Seriously. Like we have no other choice. So let's just, let's, let's let's roll with it.
1: So when did you realize that, you know, the, you had an interest in marketing because it seems like you've managed to actually stay pretty tuned in with that being your, your career for the most part.
0: Great question. And uh, so I, I graduated from Vanderbilt with uh, a degree in applied human psychology and a huge ego. And I went up to (laughs) Boston to try to find a job and 64 failed job interviews later, I came home back to Atlanta with my tail between my legs and zero ego and um, an understanding, a little bit more of an understanding as to what I wanted to do. And it was my lucky sixty-fifth job interview that I interviewed at a small digital shop. You know, this is right out of um, coming out of the dot-com bust, and it was called Moxie Interactive. Uh, they had twelve employees, and I was like, okay, I think this is it. Like, this is actually where my passions live. It's a little bit creative. It's a little bit, you know, it's, it's highly interactive with people. And it's uh, it's cutting edge in terms of technology. So I kind of fell into that. And I had five lateral moves there, literally five years in a row. I made $28,000 a year. I was, I was in the account side. I was a creative. I was the worst copywriter that's ever been <laughs> in advertising. And then um, I kind of fell into this space of uh, the emerging media. I was right as Facebook was going from... Uh, colleges into the general public, and our big client was Verizon Wireless. Okay, and so we—I got to work directly with Facebook on their first products uh, as that kind of they started to experiment with some of these new things, some that had massive backlashes. Um, but it was also around that time that viral videos were becoming famous. And so the owner of the agency came to me, and was like, "So Chris, our client Verizon Wireless. This is Chris Pinto." who founded Moxie. And at this point, we had grown to 400 employees. And so she goes to me, she was like, so Chris, there's this thing called a viral video. And if you can get a viral video, then we can prove to Verizon that we can make it. I was like, awesome, bring it. Let's do it. The viral video. She was like, "Uh, well, if you get a million views or more of of a video that you create, it's a viral video. I was like, okay. Uh, and it was right around that time that i had been courting my wife oh so patiently for four months. And I was like, I'm going to put a ring on this. So what if <laughs> I actually filmed my engagement to her and then that way I can send it to our families as well as it being the viral video. And so I was running down the streets of Atlanta. I got a guy who was uh, a part time cameraman for the real world and MTV set up these cameras, one in a tree. And I pretended to sprain my ankle at a certain point as I was running down next to my now wife. And I went from spraining my ankle to popping the question. And it was a three and a half minute scale of emotion that the internet hadn't really seen before. And so Mm -hmm. I threw it on ChristopherCuff.com, sent it to our family members. We ended up getting 7 million views. And Good Morning America flew down, put us in Good Morning America, front page of the Wall Street Journal, just ridiculous things happen. And I always use that as an example of when you're in your zone of passion, when passion and purpose and profession all start to overlap, ridiculous things tend to happen. And that was my first taste of ridiculous things happening to me, but also where I was like, okay, I think this is I've fallen into my niche. And I... I, 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 Leverage that all the way through that then took me to my agency twenty two squared where I 've been for almost eleven years, um, but one of the things that I like to emphasize to everyone is in one of my messages in the book is allow your people to pursue their side hustles because you know if you look at in this this idea of currencies, my currency has been for so long. I was the digital and social guy I was one of the first guys on the scene. I had the viral videos I had all of this stuff but My interest started to change. My passion started to evolve as I was kind of, you know, maturing as a human being. And uh, I then, as my side hustle, started writing this book, The Millennial Whisper, which then became a best selling book and, you know, opened up doors for the agency to, you know, massive corporations, blah, blah, blah. But one of the big things is that, you know, if you look at that Plinko, kind of like I call it the Plinko game of life, with each kind of plinko, there's a meta tag that's attached to you that that you're kind of becoming an expert on that hopefully is in line with your passion and your purpose. Mm-hmm. And so the key to evolving that though is to we we're always evolving. So embrace those side hustles and pursue those side hustles and make sure that you're allowing your employees to do the same thing. Mm-hmm. And if look at the world that we've been living in pre-COVID, it's been a little bit la la land, right? And one <laughs> yeah. of my rules is what I call my 70-30 rule, which is regardless of what you see in your Instagram, and um, especially as you look at younger millennials and Gen Zers, there's this idea that everyone lives this perfect life with the perfect job. And you know it's it's completely ridiculous. It's this ruthless pursuit of perfection. And I say, no, replace that with a ruthless pursuit of passions and understand that 30% of your job is always going to suck. 70% (laughs) of your job should fuel you up and fire you up. But the idea that it can be 100% is absolute BS. So on their first day, I will actually sit down with all employees and figure out of your job description, what's in your 70% zone of awesomeness, and then what's in your 30% zone of suck. Because that, that allows us to do is push through the other side. And sometimes, you know, even talking to some of the best brands in the world, I'll bring up some of these millennials and Gen Zers onto a panel to then uh, kind of present in a more one-to-one format in a conversation with me to talk about some of the things where there's room for improvement. And we'll talk about... Some people are like, yeah, it's actually 30-70 the other way. 70% of my job sucks.
2: Whoops. Hmm. And
0: and that's where it's like, okay, you guys definitely need to help these people support their side hustles because it's with that that we evolve our currencies most efficiently. So yeah. I digress.
1: So I can see how uh, why Tommy Breedlove wants me to connect you with uh, Mark Nathan, who wrote the book... Uh, the delusion of passion why, why millennials struggle to find success. Totally. And yeah. I mean, what you were just saying yeah. is he is covered in detail in, in, the book, in that book. So,
0: and Mark and I connected and we, we, we did, we connected and we, we definitely hit it off with a lot of our philosophies. And well, I mean, such an amazing guy with a great message. And um, mm-hmm. we are definitely aligned.
2: Yeah. Can you say the three P's again? Passion, purpose,
0: and what? Uh, yeah. When your passion, purpose, and profession all overlap. Profession.
1: I call it process, but I like profession too. Yeah.
0: Well, so for me, it's, it's, a da- it's a beautiful and dangerous thing because you don't know when you're working and when you're not working. Mm-hmm. And my wife, <laughs> yes.
2: like,
0: I mean, late at night, be like, Chris, what are you doing? I'm like, uh,
2: it's too cool. I can't put it I down.
0: Think, yeah, I think I'm working right now. You know, like I just cannot stop. I know. And when that line between just kind of your, your once again passions and hobbies and and purpose and then then there's that job thing. Like right now, this is kind of my job. Like how cool yeah. is it that I'm talking <laughs> to you guys right now, connecting about awesome things, and and that's kind of my job. Like that is that I. I think, and that's the generational difference that older, like especially older Xers and boomers, there was always this mentality that your job's going to suck all Mm -hmm. the time, right? Like, Mm -hmm. it's like, I just got to endure it. I've just got to get through it. And it's funny. I, I ran into someone right before all this stuff hit. It was right as things were starting to buckle down. It's an Iranian, he's an Iranian gentleman. Uh, Lives in Atlanta, amazing guy, has two millennial daughters that are super successful in their 30s. And uh, we were talking about, like, just, hey, what's been going on? And he was like, oh, I've been in Paris, I've been in whatever. I'm like, awesome. Like, that sounds great. He goes, oh, no, it was for work. And I was like, wait, does that mean, does that mean that it can't, like, those are the most ridiculous places I've ever heard? Does that, because it's for work, it means it can't be fun? I look forward to work trips. He's like, you do I'm like oh my gosh we've got so much to talk about shurok but now is not the time because i will <laughs> i will start getting too passionate and excited about it all but it yeah. is it's really interesting to look at, at what's changed and you know you look at what's happening right now and i think what people are going to be discovering is that they're being forced forced into an entrepreneurial track whether it be through furlough or um kind of some of the downtime and what's happening at home and I do truly believe that amazing things will come out of this. Um, yeah. And from a work standpoint, I mean, obviously, with the fear and the amount of horrible sickness that's happening all around us, it, it is very stressful and heartbreaking. But there will be silver linings in this thing.
2: And so that actually is the perfect segue into this question that I wanted to ask. Because um, just like you said before, like millennials... And now Gen Z get labeled as, like, they're not serious enough. If you want to engage them, you have to make work fun. And it's, like, all this idea of fluff, um, which we know isn't true. Uh, What is true is, again, just as you put it, that millennials want to know what's going on. They want to see the big picture. And oftentimes that exposes some of the cracks, and that can be very frustrating for business leaders. Um, But that's how you get millennials truly engaged in their work, is that they can see where they plug in in the entire system. Uh, And so how are you working with leaders then to reshape their internal company structures and culture uh, as as well as uh, shaping the impact on the markets that they serve in order to engage millennials and actually not just engage them, but truly take advantage of their gifts?
0: Ah, I love that. Uh, Great question. And that's what, you know, a lot of my emphasis around, if you break it down statistically, the number one thing that millennials are looking for in leadership is inspirational leadership. Number two is transparency. And number three is autonomy. And I can break down any one of those. Mm -hmm. But the unfortunate side of the inspirational leadership is if you ask any leader, hey, Bob, do you consider yourself an inspirational leader? Bob by himself will respond back and say, "Uh, hell yeah. I mean, anytime on these Zoom calls that I'm doing in this COVID, everyone's laughing at my jokes. And, <laughs> you know, they they get, I can just tell yeah, I'm absolutely inspirational. It's like, thanks, Bob. And you ask two people on Bob's team and you're like, hey, guys, uh, the number one thing that millennials and Gen Zers are looking for is inspirational leadership is Bob inspirational. Their first question is, Is Bob gonna find out if I tell you the truth? Oh God! Like, no, he's not gonna find out. They're like, hell no, he's not. He is not inspirational whatsoever.
2: That's like the fun versus engaged. Like, just because they're laughing at jokes doesn't mean totally right. And a lot of people think that like
0: they they misinterpret what inspirational means. And Uh if you break down inspirational leadership, it's building people up. And you know, the single like one like tactically speaking one of the single greatest things any leader can do, whether you're an introvert or an extrovert, because I'll get these leaders be like, listen, I don't have time for this stuff. And it's like, okay, fine. All you have to do is start putting some of these tactics into place. And many of them won't take you more than one minute out of your day. And statistically speaking, the one thing that you can do to better support your people and also be inspirational is to create more rewards and recognition. And so if you take an email from a client, from a story from someone that emails you on the team, a coworker, or whatever it is, and it's some sort of compliment. All you have to do is press forward, and then CC them on that email and give it to the boss, and then the boss's boss, and then you just say props to you. And it literally, that takes no more than one minute. And in that moment, what is created is really a a, a place where people feel motivated and. Yeah. down as human beings, we all just want to be loved and accepted. And the same is true, especially when we're spending 12 to 14 hours of our day working for an organization. So we've got to start shifting that mindset of what it takes to be more inspirational, but also you know, understanding that culture, good culture is uh, a byproduct of good leadership. And, you know, first is the inspirational leadership thing. But then, you know, you talk about aut- autonomy and transparency. Both of those things are misinterpreted where, you know, transparency, a lot of people go either from it's Brene Brown and you've got to be vulnerable and cry in front of your people. And it's not necessarily <laughs> that, right? Or they think financial transparency, I've got to tell all my people how right. much money everyone makes, blah, 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 And it's not that. All your people want for, in terms of transparency is they want context. They want to understand what are the decisions that you're making and why. Are, what are all the things that are going on and influencing that. So open up to your people and talk about where you're making some mistakes as an organization and how you're learning from them. You don't have to sugarcoat everything because deep down with transparency, what they want is context. Why are you shaving money here? Why are you mm-hmm. uh, laying certain people off and not other people off right now, right? So... <laughs> With that over communication and context, you will find that people it goes a long way. And then right. you know we can talk about autonomy as well.
1: Well, and speaking of autonomy, um, one of the things that again we're starting to go through quite a bit in in this pandemic is is working from home. I mean, it's you know we talked about it in the pre show is that you know this is forcing people to take a taste of what this world would look like if everybody you know if if, if everybody had a choice of do they work from home or do they work in the office or, you know, a combination of both. And I think that millennials specifically, there's a lot of different things that are going to see in their working life that a lot of different transitions that are going to become from technology, such as, you know, being able to telecommute. what are your thoughts on how technology and telecommunication will, will play a role in the future? And do you think, you know, we'll go back to the way things were, or, we're, or are we finally going to see people working um, from home more and coming in for, uh, to the workspace for big meetings? I think that's exactly what's gonna be happening.
0: And a lot of people are realizing now that there's a lot of meetings that we've been having that we don't necessarily have to have, one, two, There's probably a lot of things that we do as an organization um, that we don't necessarily need to be doing, right? Mm -hmm. And you look at the office makeup and open environments, and obviously, you know, this is dictated a little bit about from what you do. I've got a lot of friends that are, you know, very successful dentists, entrepreneur entrepreneurs, and dentists, and it's like. uh, work flexibility won't necessarily have that much of an impact on them, mm. but you look at things like you know telemedicine and you know even some of these um, dentists are doing home consultations with people via their computers and and iPhones, and so instead of having to go into an office, a dental office, or you know like they're actually creating solutions for for that stuff. So um, I think what we will see out of this is deep down it really does come down to connection, right? Connection with... It's connection and relationships. And that's both true inside our walls and outside of our walls. Inside our walls, that's what we want with our leaders. Um, outside of our walls is what we strive for as salespeople and networkers. Mm-hmm. And what creates connection in the end is relationships. And relationships are usually built upon shared passions, experiences, and um, and communication, and I always use you know one of the examples I use as an uh, as we move to more um, you know this telecommuting stuff is I had a story where I went up to Snapchat in New York with a coworker and I was going to visit a buddy of mine. It was right after they had IPO'd, and um, you know they'd suit ridiculous uh, digs up there, right, with like a penthouse and like open bars and like just over the over the top. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was like, oh, we got to go check it out. We'll <laughs> go hang out with my buddy Adam. And so I go in and my coworker, Christy, I give Adam a huge hug. And I'm like, Adam, how's your seven month old daughter? Blah, blah, blah. And Christy is kind of watching along, and be like, oh, bro fest. Like, what is this? Like, oh my God. And she goes, finally, like, she's like, how long have you guys known each other? I was like, Adam, how long has it been? I knew him when he was over at Facebook um, from what back in the day. I was like, yeah, we've known each other like five years. Uh, and, uh, but wait, Adam. Wait, Adam, we've never met before. Adam, a hundred percent of this relationship has been built on text and a closed Facebook group and maybe a couple video chats. And he looked at me and he was like, Oh my God, you're right. And so, you know, I think we underestimate a lot of times the power of video technology. And, you know, some people are experiencing on both sides of the spectrum. With what what Zoom is able to replace, and then also what it's not able to replace, mm. uh, and I think a lot of us are yearning just for some human act interaction. But there, are, there's this. some... I just started my next book, which I haven't announced to anyone yet, but it's <laughs> um it's going to be around how to be a more effective networker and salesperson, and mm. um and it so that applies to everyone. I think the pain points and have shifted um, from. Culture of what I've kind of been emphasizing, culture around connection and empathy to, um, uh, you know, I think more ROI driven stuff for some of these organizations as they're looking to prioritize the next couple of years. And so, you know, one of those big things is, um, is in the name of the book is going to be Save Your Asks. And Save Your Asks is everyone's got one ask in them, right? And as we're looking to create these relationships, a lot of people will go out of the gates. And you know you see it in LinkedIn or you see it in an email or whatever, and it's like they they come in for an ask, and it's like, really, dude, you're gonna <laughs> waste your ask now on that? It's like, uh-huh. oh, and, and so one of the concepts I bring up is this this um, this concept of Shawshanking. And uh, Shawshanking was introduced to me by a really good friend of mine. His name's Jason Beckerman. He has a big technology company in New York, and after he closed. A deal with me, a big deal around the social media space and ad buying and what his company does. I turned to him and I was like, Jason, dude, I'm the most ADD guy in the world, right? <laughs> like, I'm, I'm impossible to pin down. How the hell? I've known you seven years. Did you do it? And he goes, dude, I Shawshank your ass. And I was like, Shawshank, what is that? That sounds like something I want to know about. <laughs> and he goes, you know, Shawshank Redemption. It was a letter a day, a letter a day, a letter a day. And Chris, whether or not you realize it or not, in the last seven years, every single week I've had some form of interaction with you, and that's been on yeah. email, that's been on Facebook message, that's been on Instagram message. But every single week I've had some form of interaction. I wasn't asking anything of you. I was just checking in and building the relationship, and it was always with genuine interest in what you're doing and how you're what and and how you're how your kids are and all that stuff. Like it's always with a very genuine um, (laughs) intention. And I was like, dude, I just got a call from one of the largest companies in the world. uh, And they wanted to hire me as their social media person, but I want to win them as a client for 22 squared. So I'm going to shock shank them. And sure enough, mm-hmm. I used that same strategy. And that head of marketing is now one of my best friends. And 18 months later, we landed them as our client. And they're now one of our largest clients today. And so, you know, I think as you look at whether it be technology or adopting new ways of, of just functioning and working and connecting, it's that most of the things that we have wrong are our approaches and strategies, right? Huh. <laughs> And um, it doesn't really matter how, whether or not like a lot, think about how many flights we've probably hopped on as business people that we didn't necessarily have to hop on a flight for. And I think some of those realizations of being forced into this current environment, we're starting to figure out ways around it. But what we haven't figured out are some of these strategies. And what I'm now working on are bringing just like I did with the millennial whisperer. Uh, some of these tactics and strategies that people can start applying that they can actually really make a big difference in how they're creating connection and relationships and ultimately driving sales for their organizations.
2: Yes. Awesome. So then with that... um... What type of technology, and I, I know this is a little bit of predicting the future, but what type of technology do you think is going to play a massive role in the lives of millennials in the not too distant future?
0: That's a good question. I mean, it's all the places that I encourage my friends to invest. And, you know, it is, I think, you know, the Zooms of the world, uh, obviously are seeing a huge uptick, mm-hmm. um, the Slacks of the world. Um, and, but I also think that the opposite will be true where some of those things, it's the opposite of technology that will start thriving. You know, it'll, it'll be the restaurants again. It'll be some of those places that, that human to human interaction, uh, and especially experiences will be emphasized because of this drought that we've been in. And I know it's not going to happen right away. But I would almost say, you know, technologies and companies that allow people to connect from person to person. You know, I have a friend. um, uh, His name is Mark Hodelik. He partnered with Jesse Itzler, who is a pretty well-known author, married to Sarah Blakely. They have a company called Twenty Nine and Twenty Nine, where you can climb the equivalent of Mount Everest in a weekend with two hundred other people. And so yeah, they ran out. Um, they ran out Stratton Mountain in um, Vermont. They ran out Sun Valley, and then a place in Utah. And you do this epic event where you climb it, You you climb Stratton Mountain seventeen times. So You climb up it, and then you take the the chairlift wow. down. And so those types of shared experiences, I think it's both the technology around, you know, the things that we hear about and the things that we connect around, and. Um, you know the reliance on in, i mean i 've connected with more people on Instagram message than any other platform, and you know that that 's a great way to create relationships so i 'm still very bullish there, but on the other side of it, I think it 's looking at where some of these things like a twenty nine and twenty nine or like some mm-hmm. of these different excursions, especially locally, and I think we 're to see a huge shift to supporting local i'm actually about to launch one for atlanta and georgia called georgia 1 where a bunch of us entrepreneurs are getting together and just saying all right everyone needs to give local um you know charities or whatever and they need to hire local uh so for both companies that they're outsourcing stuff to um or the food that they're bringing in and um really with those two things that I think there's going to be a much more, uh, um, a a huge move into really supporting the people in their own backyards, because that's what it's going to take to dig out of this. And I think it's going to bring people together. I I really believe that. So it's almost the opposite of technology. It's like the, uh, the, the other stuff that I get just as excited about.
1: Right, right. So we were talking about your new book, save for asks on the way, which I, that's going to be awesome because uh, like, in they're in the not too distant past here. It just occurred to me. that was the problem with why I don't like going on LinkedIn. And oh. it just, it just, it, it, it all came to a culmination when I, when I met Devin, uh, uh, the guest of, uh, episode one seventy one, And, um, Anyway, yeah, that's that's perfect. What else you got going on this next next year that you maybe were thinking about before the pandemic? But now because the pandemic's here, you know, maybe you've you've pivoted a little bit.
0: Uh, you know, I do. So there's a huge realness and like that whole idea of uh, crisis catalyzes change, but it also um, will create um, bonds and relationships that will be unbreakable for life. And it's the same reason why, like coming out of those events, like a 29 and 29, or running a marathon with someone, or training for a marathon, that's something that you hold forever. And so, I have been very deliberate about, um, and also well intentioned about who it is that I'm giving my energy and time to. So, I've been helping out a lot of entrepreneurs in this time to help them pivot. And, um, you know, one story that we are talking about is a guy who anyone that's been to Atlanta has probably heard of Antico Pizza, mm-hmm. and Antico Pizza it it is the spot to get pizza. And you know, Gio, who owns it, he actually brings down the water all the way from New York City. He imports all of the cheese and um, the flour from Italy. And this pizza, it's that super thin crust no napoleon whatever Napolitano, whatever it is the the super thin crust one
1: the op the opposite of the chicago pizza exactly exactly
0: (laughs) you don't you don't feel disgusting after eating it and (laughs) you know so one thing that uh when this whole thing hit he's like oh my god what do we do and uh i saw i heard it uh put really well in yesterday's wall street journal and they call it the pandemic pivot and uh we were like gee you got to start shipping these pizzas if you can figure out a way to freeze them because your pizzas are unbelievable. And he had figured out a way to actually you only you you put it in the oven at 425 for six minutes and broil it for a minute. And I'm telling you, it is it's better than the restaurant. And we were like, geo, oh my gosh. So I started sending them to all of my clients. And then my other buddies that all entrepreneurs in Atlanta, they started sending them to all their clients. And now everyone from Clint Eastwood to yesterday, he was featured on Barstool Sports with their frozen pizza review. It was the third highest review, 8.3 that, that they'd ever given. You know, all this stuff is taken off. I was texting with him last night and he's interviewing for, you know, the Wall Street Journal and all this stuff. And so, you know, I do think that oh, this is this is forcing people to Embrace some things that they've either put off for a while, um, or to think about their their businesses through a different realm. Um, love, and so, love, a lot love. of my job, I use that as an example of I just like helping people, right? I love building stuff, and it's almost to my own. I I'm not, but I always I'm not like trying to do it to get money or to get equity in companies or whatever. And all my friends that are these big entrepreneurs, are like, Chris. Why are you not taking steak in it? It's like I just like creating stuff. I just like putting right. out goodness into the world, and right. I don't need to have a financial necessarily, um, you know, outcome uh, uh, attached to it. So I'm going to be continuing to, I think, really do that. I have a group of nine guys that I'm in a small group with. Tommy Breedlove being one of them. Mark Hodelek from 29 and 29 being another one, um, and probably some other future guests of you, <laughs> of, of your podcast. Um, and we really stay close and support one another. And, um, you know, I think that for me is, is a huge priority, but also focused to help us become better, uh, better, you know, husbands, better fathers, better people, better entrepreneurs. And, um, so I'll be continuing to, I think, work with those guys and, and also, um, you know, learning and adapting and and going big with the next book we, you know so we i'm going to write the book in the next 3 months and then we should be published in about 12 um, generally and so that's what i'll hopefully be using as a way to open up doors with big companies for my agency um, and kind of layering on top of what i've been doing on the millennial so it's not like i'm ditching everything and i no longer it's just i'm building on top of it to address more of the pain points that that we've been thrown into here
1: Cool, cool. So, got to wrap this thing up. And the sure. way we always do that is the uh, rapid fire questions segment. And so, the first question I have for you is the, the legendary what influencers or teachers have launched you to where you're at today?
0: So, I mean, it's funny that you use the word legendary because I mean, one of the people that has been a huge catalyst for everything that I've been doing is Tommy Breedlove, who uh, recently wrote the book Legendary. Uh, which published... uh, It was Wall Street Journal bestseller. And I think it published about uh, a month and a half ago. And uh, so he is my coach. He's been my kind of coach and best friend in a lot of this. He was the reason why... uh, It was around the campfire that someone kicked me by the fire. And it was Tommy who was leading this retreat. And he was like, you better write that book, The Millennial Whisper." And (laughs) so uh, he's been a huge influence on me. Um, as well as the other guys that are in our small group. Um, Mark Hodelick, uh, Hank McLarty, um, Peter Bolden, the dentist, and a handful of others. Uh, Quincy Jones, uh, not the Quincy Jones. This Quincy Jones is <laughs> very different than the Quincy Jones. But I do call him the Quincy Jones because he is so ridiculously networked into this world. It's insane. Um, so it's really with those guys that I'm most influenced. And one of the th- people laugh at me because as I'm writing the next book, they're like, Oh, there's this book on this. And I'm like, listen, I love reading. And I, I try to read everything that I can get my hands on. But when I'm building something around a subject matter that's very specific, I'll take in all of the data, but I don't want to read the books on it because I don't want it to influence the way that yeah. I
2: think. being truly
0: Definitely. innovative. right? So um, uh, a lot of the stuff that I find inspiration around are come from so many different places, uh, and kite. I'm a huge kiteboarder, and I I, I got a fuel in my soul. And so, kiteboarding and mountain biking and all of that is kind of what I uh, where I find probably the greatest muses in, in everything that I do.
2: What's the biggest plot twist you've seen in your day to day life?
0: I would say that becoming a parent um, is. <laughs> I always had this idea that being a parent would be like this daunting task, and uh, it's because I saw it probably through the eyes of our parents. <laughs> and uh it's actually like it's one of the coolest things that I've ever done because you can actually see the world through those young eyes, but also you um you can create a connection and a relationship that's um I think more genuine and well intentioned than anything else. It's so pure. So uh, I had all these expectations of what being a parent was going to be, and then it was it it has totally become a plot twist. And then also the connection that that creates with your spouse or partner. Um, and I can say that my wife, um, Julie, uh, I'm just so I'm always in awe at how patient she is, and uh, I'm not very patient. Like she is a yin to my yang, and how we can mold one another. And I'm actually an identical twin married to an identical twin, so we have foils huh. to see. You know, in a partnership, um, whoever that is in your life, you will mold each other. And that to me, in all of it, in these family dynamics, that's probably been the greatest plot twist in all the amazing ways that um, I probably um, would go on talking about for way too long.
1: Um, What message out there is a disservice to youth?
0: Rise above it, or the new normal. I I hate those terms, right? Like, and you're seeing them thrown around all over the place. And it's mm-hmm. like, no, let's use this as the catalyst to change the way that we work, the way that we view the world, and mm. and and you know, once again, focus on the silver linings. Name
2: one thing that costs one under one hundred dollars that has changed your life.
0: Uh, I would say one of the apps I use on my phone to track um, fitness, um, you know, whether it be probably trialing like the Peloton or something that, um, creates a little, like, I think everything starts with fitness. Um, and I mean, maybe it's an alarm clock, like get up earlier, go and do it because that's how
1: you kickstart your day. Love it. Love it. And the final question, what's the secret to achieving personal freedom?
0: I think understanding what your metric of success is and making sure that that's pure to who you are and what you want to be. And you know, mine used to be beating my brothers in the game of life, and now it's actually judged on a daily basis when my head hits the pillow and its amount of impact that I can make, which follows um, in line with my own purpose, which is to inspire and connect.
1: Awesome. Well, thanks again, Chris, for uh, spending a little bit of time with us today. Your website is the millennial whisperer.com. Again, you can be found on Instagram yep. at what was the uh...
0: tough T U F F two, two.
1: Okay. And where else can people find you on the social medias?
0: Uh, so LinkedIn, I'm uh forward slash Christopher tough. And I mean, I'm actually a very easy person to find on almost anything. So just uh, look up uh, Chris tough. And just for, the URL, The Millennial Whisperer, millennial spelled with two L's and two N's. I learned that having written a book about it. It's a very hard word to, to write. So, yes, um, and then I've got some other great things. If you go to com, you can take a brand new quiz that I just um, launched that will tell you what type of millennial leader you are and some of the things, what your strengths and weaknesses are.
1: All right, super. Well, thanks again. Appreciate it
0: awesome thanks so much
1: so there you have it you know chris's world is is super fascinating and he has made a a successful career helping others truly understand subjects that i love to help others with myself and i'm sure that conversation could have lasted forever Uh, if you'd like to hear more from him you can do just that via our show notes for this session which can be found at newinceptions.com slash 174 And in the first couple of videos, I have Chris talking about the proper way to motivate and manage millennials. One of those with the guys over at the Shrimp Tank podcast. And then the last two videos are interviews he's done recently. One for the Bulletproof Dental Practice podcast with his friend that he mentioned in the show, Peter Bolden. And then there's another interview with John Lee Dumas on EOF. And so if you're you know, looking into take the conversation further, several opportunities to do just that by again going to the show notes at newinceptions.comslash one seven four. So with that said, that's it for this session. Remember, as we're starting into this new post-pandemic economy, it's going to be important to know the inventory of your three Ps. Find out what they are with my free guide, uncover your personal mission, which again you can grab at newinceptions.com slash personal mission guide. So that's it for this session. Thank you for uh, spending a little bit of time with us. And as always, we appreciate you guys joining in. Until next session, dig in, have fun, and take care on whatever you're creating. And we'll see you back here next time.
2: Thanks for listening
0: to the Angles of Latitude podcast. Connect with us at home, at work, or on the go at facebook.com slash newinceptions On Twitter at New Inceptions, Instagram at new.inceptions,
2: and on the web at newinceptions.com.